Over the last several weeks, we've been reading through the last few chapters of 2 Corinthians, discovering some instructions for faithful living. I think all of us as believers, there are times in our life we just feel like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live up to what it means to be a believer? How am I going to do the things that God has called for me to do in the Scripture? How am I going to share my faith? How am I going to live according to His Word? How am I going to do these things? Well, you're in good company. Because Paul felt exactly the same way. Yes, the Apostle Paul. Yes, the same Paul who wrote several of the books in the New Testament. The same Apostle Paul who was probably the greatest missionary who ever lived. He had those moments in his life that he wondered, how am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? But he discovered he wasn't going to accomplish it. As we began reading last week, we saw how Paul discovered that his strength is found in Christ. Now, Paul continues along that theme this morning as we're looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, as he gets more specific about where our power in Christ originates. We'll be reading there in verse 4 and Chapter 13 this morning. I was never very good at power lifting. Now, maybe some of you are. Maybe you work out every week. They're pumping the, the iron. But I, I was never very good at that. I had a friend who was, who was literally the state champion power lifter in Texas. And, and uh, uh, when we became friends, he was scrawny like me. But, but his dad got him a set of weights. And over time, he got really, really strong. So my dad bought me a set of weights. Somehow it didn't work the same magic for me. I guess you actually have to get it out of the box for it to do any good. I don't know. Paul knew that his strength was not in bodybuilding. In fact, as we saw last week, he found his real strength made most evident in his weaknesses. He continues along that same theme as we continue in this passage here in 2 Corinthians. Today we'll be reading in verse 4 in chapter 13, where the Bible says, For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. We need to realize something that Paul realized. We need to realize the power that is in the cross. Paul discovered that the the power that we know in Jesus is focused in what for him was a very strange place. It's focused in the cross. Now, we talk about the cross a lot as as Christians. We, We sing about the cross. We read about the cross. We preach about the cross. There's a reason for that. The power that we know in Christ is focused on the cross. Without the cross, we are nothing. Without the cross, we we might as well end this service right now, turn the lights off, go home, because we're wasting our time here without the cross. And Paul understood that. He understood the centrality of the cross. This passage occurs in a a section of 2 Corinthians where Paul is answering some of his critics. We've seen that over these several weeks as we've been looking through this passage. And as he's building his defense, he focuses not upon the things that he accomplishes. He focuses on Christ. And as he focuses on Christ, he begins to focus more and more on the cross. 
Now remember, in the first century, the, the concept of the cross was very different than, than what we think of as the cross today. As we think about the cross today, we think about it as something that's on top of a steeple of a church. We think of it as something that somebody wears on a necklace. We think of it as, as something that, that's a beautiful work of art. That is not the way that the first century person would have thought of the cross. It was not a thing of beauty, anything but. It certainly was not a part of the theology of the day. It did not make any sense to the religious leaders of the day, and especially to the Pharisees, that the Messiah would die on the cross. That made no sense whatsoever. That was certainly true for Paul. As as a former Pharisee, he completely understood their confusion. Because he was right there with them before he came to know Christ as his Savior. He could not even comprehend how the Messiah could die, but much less die the death of a common criminal. It just didn't make any sense. And from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. But as Paul came to faith in the resurrected Christ, he began to see things very Differently, He began to see things not from a human perspective, but he began to see things from God's perspective. He came to understand how Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He left all the riches of heaven to come into this sin-sick world to take the form of a man with all of the weaknesses and sorrows that this world presents. And death. For the giver of life, death was the ultimate in humiliation. It was the greatest sacrifice of all. The the one who had breathed life into creation now was allowing the creation that he had made to end his life. And yet that was exactly what had to happen. Only the perfect Savior and Lord could provide the perfect sacrifice that would completely pay for our sin. There wasn't another way. That was our big problem. We could not pay that sacrifice on our own. It was something that every person who ever brought a sacrifice to the temple understood because As they knew very well, you were supposed to bring a a sacrifice without blemish. Now, you go out on a farm and you find an animal that has absolutely no blemish. Don't worry that way. Every person who's ever raised sheep or cattle or pigs, you know that somewhere on that animal, there's going to be a spot, a speck, a blemish of some sort. In fact, I, I read this the other day. They pay photographers big money, cattle Owners do that. They pay them big money to Photoshop the pictures of their cows that go into the the little catalogs when they're having an auction for cattle. They will pay them to airbrush some of the spots out because they all realize there's no perfect cow. There's no perfect sheep. There's no perfect sacrifice except. When the Son of God 
voluntarily, willingly gives his perfect life for you and me. He does what we could not do. Only someone who is sinlessly perfect could do that. Only Jesus. Sacrifice is something that we understand, at least to a, a certain extent, especially if you're, you're a parent of a child who is involved in sports. Between all the practices and all the games, you almost feel like you just need to take up residence at the gym or at the ballpark. All that's left is to file notice to forward your mail to the bleachers on the third baseline. Because that's where you spend all of your time. I can remember my mom sitting in 100 degree Texas summers waiting for me to finish how to learn how to catch a fly ball in my glove, not in my eye. But as parents, we go, we go to all the practices, we go to all the games, we sit in those old splintery bleachers. And if you ask a parent, why are you doing that? They'll all give the same answer, because that's my kid out there in right field. That's my boy. Yeah, the one that's picking the daisy. That's my boy out there. Jesus went through the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. He gave himself completely. He gave himself voluntarily. Suffering the greatest of humiliations for us. Why did he do that? Well, because we are his creation. We are his children. He gave everything for us so that we might live. And that's why Paul focused on the cross. He, he realized that without the cross there was nothing. But in the cross, there was life. There was forgiveness. There was everlasting life. Crucified in weakness. Christ displays God's love and power on the cross. But that's not all. Because through the cross, Paul says, we share both the weakness and the power of Christ. The cross presents us with both the weakest point in history and the most Powerful point in history at the same time. And Paul explains why. Christ humiliated himself completely on the cross. No one has ever given more. In the cross, we share that humiliation. Because it was our sin that put him there. He was not paying the price for anything that he had done. He was paying the price for what I did, for what you have done. He died on the cross because we were the ones that really should have been there. Paul was experiencing some humiliation in Corinth. There's no doubt about it. His his accusers ridiculed him. They they made fun of his ministry. They mocked him. 
Some even denied that he had any right to minister at all. And, and Paul understood exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it. But in that point of weakness, Paul found strength. Because he realized they did the same thing to Jesus. They'd ridiculed him. They'd mocked him. They'd spat upon him, whipped him, crucified him. But in the cross, Paul found new life. The the cross transforms our weakness into strength through the power of God's grace. It, It makes us a new creation in Christ. We are unified in Christ. That's what Paul writes about here in verse 4. He says, For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. What the world identifies as weakness is power when it's in God's hands. I don't know about you, but I actually enjoyed chemistry class in, in high school. Now, I'll admit, you know, learning all the periodic table and all of those chemical equations, that wasn't my favorite part, but, but I still loved the class. I especially loved the days when we did experiments. My chemistry teacher in high school's name is Mr. Howell. He always sounded like he had a cold, probably because of all those experiments that he did in high school chemistry class. He'd be up in front of the class, he'd have big old giant goggles on and a big uh, rubber, long, thick apron. And, and he, he'd pull out this, this chemical, it was usually a little cube about the size of a, of a sugar cube, what it looked like, but, but he would be holding it in these giant metal goggles that, that they, they looked like you know, what you'd use to take out the teeth of an elephant. But here you have those big giant things. This is a little big sugar cube thing. They're, they're in the end of them. And, and, and he'd have all of us put on our safety equipment, our goggles and all the other stuff that we were supposed to put on when, when we were doing experiments. And up on his desk, he'd have this little beaker. It just looked like it was kind of just a little... Beaker of water, basically. What it, but he would take that goggle and then, or take that little little sugar cube looking thing, and he he drop it in in the beaker, and we would learn an unforgettable lesson in explosive reactions between chemicals. Now the the point of the demonstration was to show us that seemingly harmless materials may not be so harmless, especially when they're combined in certain ways. That little sugar cube thing didn't seem like much. That, that beaker of water, that didn't seem like much. But well, when they were put together, boy, they packed a bunch. When Jesus died on the cross, the world barely shrugged. Just another criminal dispatched by the Roman government. But when our Savior gave his life on the cross, it was the most powerful event in all of history. In in that moment of what the world saw as weakness, Jesus portrayed the ultimate transforming power of the grace of Christ. 
And we shouldn't be surprised when the world doesn't understand that. We should not be surprised when they mock us, when they reject our message. They did the same thing to Paul. They did the same thing to Jesus. But we know the reality. It is in our weakness that we are made strong. It is in the weakness of the cross that we are given forgiveness and everlasting life. It is in the cross that we see the power of God. As Paul writes, for to be sure, he was crucified in weakness. Yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him. Yet, by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. Heavenly Father, help us this morning to recognize the power of the cross. In that terrible event that the world saw as a sign of weakness, Your power was on its fullest display as you sacrificed your son. And a sacrifice he he did not have to make. He, he, He did it voluntarily. Of his own accord, he gave his life. It wasn't taken. And he did so... For us, Heavenly Father, we we cannot even begin to thank you fully for what that means. For the extent of that sacrifice on our behalf. But Lord, we desire to live our lives as living sacrifices for you. To every day give thanks for what you have done for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and for the first time, you know, the the cross suddenly means something different to you. You Maybe you've heard that story. Maybe you've been to an Easter service or an Easter celebration. You heard the story of the cross. You heard the story of the resurrection. It was a nice story, but all of a sudden, it's not just a nice story anymore. As you realize that Jesus died for you. That He gave that sacrifice for you. And today, we want to help you understand that that's true. That's exactly what the Bible says. And Jesus not only died for you, three days later he rose again. And he's alive right now. And he can be your Savior too. Now ordinarily we invite you to come here to the front. We sit down with you and show you in the scripture just what it means that Jesus died for you. That that he rose again. That you can have forgiveness in him. That you can have everlasting life in him. We, we'd help you understand that from the scripture. But we can't do that because of the virus situation right now. But we, we, we still want to help you see that. So, so we provided a way for you to do that. This morning, uh, if suddenly you've realized, you know what? I need to figure this out. I need to know who this Jesus is, really. You know, I've heard the stories, but... There's something more to this. I, I've got to know what this is all about. We want to help you. There in the, in the pew racks before you, there's a 
connection card, a little white card. Just take that out. Give us some contact information and just indicate on that card, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. There's a little box you can check or you can just write it on the card. And then drop it in one of the baskets as you, as you go out this morning. Just drop it in that basket. We'll be in touch with you to share with you from God's Word how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, you may not know exactly what that means. You may not know what all that's about. But in your heart of hearts, you know that's exactly what you need. Now, if you're watching us online, you can do the same thing. We have a digital version of that same card. It's at nationalheights.org backslash hello. And that link is right there in the Facebook page. It's also on our webpage. Just follow that link. It'll take you to a place where you can give us some contact information and then indicate, hey, I, I want to know about, more about Jesus. Again, there's a box you can check that says, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior, or you can just type it into the text box there. We'll be in touch with you and share with you how you can know Christ in your life today. Maybe there's some other way that God's leading you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home. You'd like to be a part of a, a family of believers, and, and we'd be thrilled for you to join with us here at National Heights. Again, you can just indicate that on your, your card. Just say, I want to be a part of National Heights. and Drop that in the basket. Send that to us on that digital form. We'll be glad to get that information to you. Maybe there's some other way that God is, is working in your life this morning. Uh, maybe there's a prayer need that you have, something that's on your heart today that you'd really like some other Christians to be praying with you about this morning. On the reverse side of the physical card that here at the very bottom of the digital form, uh, there's a place where you can just indicate, hey, I'd really appreciate it if this, you would be praying with me about this, and we would be honored to be praying with you this next week. Whatever it might be, in whatever way God is leading you this morning, you listen, responding to His call as we sing together.